and Romans chapter 14. I normally ask all of our young people, young people, you know on fifth Sunday you should be sitting at the front of the church. So just know next time, I'm not going to make you move right now, but pay close attention. Come on, Josiah, you started, you lead the way. That's right. You, you can sit right there. Praise the Lord. You don't have to. You don't have, Genesis chapter 4, right here on the front row. Genesis chapter 4, beginning at verse number 9. Well, let's begin at verse number 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Go to Romans chapter 14. Again at verse number nine. <clears throat> For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Verse 19, I'm sorry. Start at verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. I want to, I want to, I can't seem to get away from this stewardship issue. And I want to talk about, I'm led to talk about stewardship of relationships. Yeah, I want to talk about stewardship of relationships. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Be in your brother's keeper. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word will not return to you void when it goes forth, but will accomplish all that you desire. We thank you, Lord, that you will prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us today. And thank you for what your word is going to accomplish. I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit. Lord, that, that, that I might minister under your anointing and through your anointing, we, be, we know that yokes will be destroyed and burdens will be removed. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Be in your brother's keeper. Amen. Look at the person next to you and say to that person, I am your keeper. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible from beginning to end, emphasizes relationships. Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden uh, in the cool of the day, and they hid themselves from the Lord among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to them and said, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? You see, God not only created man and woman, but God desired fellowship. God desired relationship uh, with them, with his creation, you know. And when you look, at, when you look at, at this, and I know everybody, most people love animals and y y your dogs, some of y'all call them your dogs, your children, and what have you, but 
but uh, but when when God began to look for a mate suitable for Adam, he could not find anyone, so he put Adam to sleep. And the Bible says, from Adam he took a rib out of Adam and and formed Adam and 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 formed woman. Excuse me, formed Eve. And Adam looked at it and said, now this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. You know, so that was the one that was suitable for Adam. Not a dog or a cat. As much as we love our animals. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and, and so he put them in relationship. He put them in relationship. We see this in Genesis. In Revelation, in the book of Revelation, um, John envisions a new heaven and a new earth. He says, for the first heaven, in chapter 21, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. He said, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men. He will live among them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Relationship. Somebody say relationship. Yeah. Between the texts, the Bible, between these texts, the Bible chronicles relationships between God and his people. All you have to do is read the Bible. Throughout the Bible, you see chronicles, records of God's relationships with his people, uh, with individuals, with one another, and with nations, with each other. So we are, we are created and we are relational people. God has called us into relationship with one another. And when you deal with this from, from the concept of being a steward, and a steward is one that manages that which belongs to another, all right? And as Christians, all of us are called to be stewards of God, okay? With everything that God has placed in our possession, God has called us and has commissioned us and commanded us to be stewards. The Bible says that it is required of a steward that a person is found faithful, all right? That we're to be faithful, that we're to faithfully manage that which God has put in our care. We're God's agents. We're God's managers. We are God's uh, governors. We are God's stewards. So even with relationships, because we didn't create ourselves and we did not create other people. God created everybody, so everybody belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So we belong to God, and, and so as, as we belong to God, God expects certain things out of us. So he doesn't just expect me to manage my money well. He doesn't expect me only to bring the tithe and the offerings into the storehouse, all right? He doesn't expect me simply to manage my time well. He doesn't simply expect me to manage my resources well because everything belongs to him. He also expects me to manage my relationships well. He expects me to be a good steward of my relationship with other people in this world, all right? Now, as a Christian, I can't simply be in a good relationship with other Christians. I need to be in a good relationship with everybody, all right? Because we are to shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation of people. So my, my, the way I carry myself and the way I treat people in this world makes a difference to God. Amen? It makes a difference to God. All right? If the kingdom is to advance in the earth realm, we are the agents to advance the kingdom. And we do it through relationships. God is not looking for dogs and cats to be saved. God is not looking for, 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 for your cows to be saved. God is not looking for a basketball to be saved. All right? They have no souls. God is looking for those of us, you and I, who are created in his image and his likeness and everyone else that's been created in his image and his likeness to come into a relationship with him, to know him as Savior and Lord. And we are the agents to bring that about. So how I, the way I carry myself in this world makes a difference. Sometimes we don't realize that. 
Sometimes we think that we don't have to care about people that don't know Jesus. But we do. We do, because that's the only way we're going to win them. So, 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 so my attitude when I'm in the grocery store makes a difference. My attitude when I go shopping on Black Friday makes a difference. Or whatever Friday I go shopping. All right. My attitude at the bank, the way I carry myself on the baseball field, uh, on the band, on the football field, wherever I am, as a child of God, the way I carry myself, the way I present myself in relationships to other people is important to God. And it should be important to you. Yeah. Because if it's important to God, it should be important to us. Is that right? If it matters to God, it should matter to us. Amen. Because we belong to him. All right? So, um, we're relational people. We're in relationships. All right? Uh, we're created to be in relationship with God and each other. So, so what relationships am I in? I'm in a relationship with my wife, with my brothers and my sisters. They're family relationships. All right? There's a husband-wife relationship. There's a parent-child relationship. There's a sibling relationship, brother-sister relationship. Then there's extended family relationships, whether it's like grandparent-grandchild, nieces and nephews, aunts and uncles. There are these family relationships that we're in. There is a church family relationship. There is a body of Christ. We're in relationship with one another. We're in relation. God expects me in these, in these relationships to know how to manage myself, to know how to carry myself, and to know how I am to care for my brother and my sister. We have peer group relationships. We have work relationships, the organizations that we are part of, communities that we are part of, even this nation. You know, one of the reasons we pray for our nation is that the Bible has told us that we are to pray for those that are in authority. We're to pray. We're not just to bash the president. We're to pray for him. We're to pray for Congress. You know, if our government would work better, if people in charge would learn to pray for one another. Everybody's not going to always agree, but we ought to pray for each other. Amen? We want God to be in charge. I don't know why we turn the air on. No, no, no. That's because the people are going to freeze in a minute. Go back and change it. And uh, let's not be telling the trustees to turn the air on. If I don't tell them, then we won't turn it on. All right. Okay. All right. If it's not hot up here, it's not hot out here. <laughs> I mean, help us out because it's cold. People start putting on coats and stuff about to freeze. And then people will not pay attention to what I'm saying. It'd be so cold. I know because I do that too. All right. Excuse the, the intermission there. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever the relationship, whatever the relationship in, we're in, it's our position as a born-again believer and as a steward of God. All right. It's my, my place. It's our place to, 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 to allow the concept of stewardship, the fact that I'm a steward of God, to guide me, to guide us in how we handle the relationships that we're, that we're in. Because we are accountable to one another, but we're also accountable to God. So, so I need to be concerned about how God sees how I deal with my brother and my sister. All right. And you ask the question, who is my brother, my sister? That's similar to the, the man asking Jesus the question, who is my neighbor? My brother and my sister is anybody that's in need. Well, really, it's anybody that's been created in the image and likeness of God, but more specifically, those of us who've been brought into relationship through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not just those of us in tabernacle of praise, but it's the body of Christ all over the world. All over the world, I tell people, you know, sometimes when we talk about missions and I, when, I, when I go places, and 
I have I found some of the most loving people uh, in any part of the world in the church. And I know that wherever I go, if I can find another believer, I found a brother sister. Amen. If I find somebody who really loves the Lord, I found another brother or sister. And whatever my needs are, they're going to try to meet those needs. Vice versa now, because this is, this is when you talk about stewardship, you hear the principle, it's more blessed to give than receive. So in relationships, we're not always on the receiving end. We're on the giving end. We have to give. Amen? We have to give. It's more blessed to give. And the Bible says, give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Men will give into your bosom. So, so we learn that in relationships, we're not just out there with our hands out, but we're also giving to other people. Giving, giving, giving. Yep. Okay. So there are a lot of scriptures that, that speaks to relationships in the Bible. And I could preach about this for, you know, the next 50 hours, but I don't think you could take it. All right. Uh, so we, we have to make this short. All right for maybe the next 30 minutes, okay? All right. <laughs> the Bible just covers a lot of things. You ought to read it sometimes. <laughs> now, you might learn something. Just, re just, just read it. Just read it sometimes. You will learn something new every day. Praise the Lord, okay? When it comes to how we relate to one another, we have to acknowledge that there, there is only one God and creator of all things. There's only one God, okay? And since that is the case, there is only one race. The human race. There's only one race. There's not a black race or white race or Nigerian race or, or, or Indian race. There's only one race. Because in the beginning, God created only Adam and Eve, and we all descended from Adam and Eve. You know, we wouldn't be having the problems that we have in America if we had the concept that we're all our brother's keeper. That everybody is important in this nation. And, and you know, we just can't blame uh, our, our, our Caucasians for the issue and the problems in America because sometimes our own attitudes help fuel some of the problems that go on in our country. You know, parents, you have to raise your children. Parents, you have to have standards in your own house. Television cannot raise your children. Because when baby's children and the Simpsons get finished with your children, they're just acting like fools. <laughs> Tell Television cannot raise your children. You got to take some time out of your busy schedule to raise your children. You have to set standards for your children. You have to say to your children, you have to say what's right and what's wrong and what will go on in this house and what will go on in the house. And we need to stop. I remember uh, a few summers ago we were in a conversation in, in our summer program and, and um, you know, the issue came up, uh, that, that person acting like they're white. You know, I said, come on now. Are you saying, and I was saying this to some of our children, are you saying then that only white people act intelligent? You see, we have developed the mentality in us that we can be ghetto. And as my friend in Atlanta says, gut bucket and have no standard. You know, I was so glad that Ebonics never caught on because we live in America and we should learn to speak English. Because you live in this country, so therefore you need to know how to operate in this country. So you need to know how to speak. You need to know good English. You need to study. Your children need to bring their books home. You know, and, and sometimes in our community, we've developed this foolish uh, 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 concept that all of our boys are going to be famous football players and going to make a whole lot of money. And that's foolish. 
you need to get something up here first. Our parents used to tell us, you get it up here, nobody can take it away from you. You can be a 3.5, that, that guy that plays for a C, a Seattle Seahawks? Sherman, 3.5, magna cum laude, graduate from Stanford. I mean, that's what you need to be aiming for. Not just to get by. You think the coach is going to help you pass your courses so you can go to get a football scholarship and make somebody rich. So what's going to happen you break your leg? What's going to happen when you pull something, do something even worse than that, get a concussion? What's going to happen you can't go back and play and you don't have an alternative? What's going to happen if you don't even get drafted? What's going to happen? I mean, you look at some, my, my, my wife was saying this, you know, she knows all about football. She's an expert. <laughs> that the quarterback in Seattle uh, was making, what, $400,000 a year because he was bad-mouthed by, no, that wasn't the one. But anyway, he, now look at him now, okay? Sherman was, somebody was bad-mouthed by the coach. And was never, it was dropped way down in the draft. Now, what, what happens if you go to college and your coach badmouths you when the, when, the, when the scouts come out? You don't think about all of this. All you think about is you put all your eggs in one basket and you fail to prepare your mind. You got to prepare yourself. So that you can compete in a society that's not just dealing with white America. You're dealing with the world. You're dealing with Chinese. You're dealing with Koreans. You're dealing with, 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 with people from Africa. You're dealing with a world society. And people are looking for qualified people. They will bring them from China. They will bring them from other parts of the world to work in their companies. While you on a basketball court, bouncing a basketball, thinking you're going to make it. So we have to change the way we think about things. We're talking about stewardship of relationships. And we have to understand this. Anyway, I didn't, all that's not in my notes. Yeah, but we have to consider, yes, there are bad things that happen in America. Okay. Sometimes you have no business being in certain places. Now, much as we uh, 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 don't like the fact that that young black guy was killed in Ferguson, why did he rob the store? Why didn't he stop when the police officer told him to stop? Why? Why was he talking back to the police officer? Learn to shut your mouth. You hear me? Learn to shut your mouth. The man has a gun. The man has a badge. You shut your mouth. Young people, y'all listening to me? If you know, if you know that there are some adverse things that can happen to you because of the color of your skin, and you know that you're not in the position of authority, you shut your mouth. Humble yourself and wait. Because there are systems in place that will work for you. Amen. All right. Anyway, so let's go on. That's something more that I got to talk to y'all about. Else. So... When you look at the Bible, one of the first relationships you see is, is God between Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve's relationship, okay? And, 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 and God places them in the Garden of Eden and God blesses them and tells them to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, have dominion, you know, whatever. And they sin against God. They failed. They failed to fulfill that end of the deal. You have an end of the deal. You have a part of this, pro you're a part of this process, okay? Your parents say, uh, rake the yard. And then you decide that you're going to play a video game. And they come home, they left, and you, they come home, and the yard is not raked. 
but then you were expecting to get something from your parents. And your parents said, no, well, you're not going to get it. There's no sense in you stumping and walking off and crying and pouting because you had a part of the deal. That was a part of the bargain that you had to fulfill. So Adam and Eve didn't fulfill that part of the deal. Say, so I have a part. Say it. Say, I have a part. Got a part to play in this. Then we come to Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, okay? Uh, this is an important relationship because it speaks to something very powerful uh, when it comes to caring for and managing relationships, being a good steward over relationships, okay? Uh, we, most of us know the story if you read the Bible, okay? So those who don't read the Bible, I'll just give you a little bit of it, okay? Um, so, Cain and Abel bring an offering to God. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. He, he was a gardener. Probably had some good crops, you know, some good collard greens and some kale and some carrots and, you know, some corn and maybe some pumpkins or watermelons or whatever, whatever was growing. He just brought God a great big offering. But Abel was a herdsman. And Abel brought the best of his flock. You know, and the Bible said Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. And it says that Cain brought the, I mean, Abel brought the best of his flock. Okay. And the Bible says that God had respect to Abel's offering and didn't have respect to Cain's offering, which means God accepted Abel's offering. Because Abel just didn't throw anything out at God. He didn't look in his pocketbook and flip through the 100s and the 50s and the 20s and the 10s and pull out an old wrinkle dollar and throw it in the offering basket. Gave God the best. Gave God the best. Anyway, so let's run on because we don't have a long time. Cain becomes jealous. First of all, he's downcast, and, and, and God asks him, why are you downcast? You know, if you, you do well, you know, yeah, you, you get blessed. All right. But he becomes jealous of Abel. Now, look at this. So one day he says to Abel, he said, come on, let's go to the field. Let's go to the field. Yeah. You know, he probably was, had his arm around his shoulder and going to the field just talking to his brother. But he gets to the field, and the Bible says, and you can go sit down on this part, okay. <laughs> the Bible says that, 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 um, that Cain kills Abel. Cain kills Abel. Now, they're brothers. They're in relationship with one another. But his brother kills him. Wow. Wow. Look, before we get to the killing, there's jealousy. Point number one in being a steward in your relationships with your brothers and your sisters and other people in this world, don't be jealous of people. Don't be jealous of what someone else does or what someone else has. You do the best that you can do. You hear me? God would have accepted Cain's offering if Cain had done his best. Cain did not give God the best. He didn't give God what he was asking for, what he was looking for. He had no reason to be jealous. Don't be jealous of other people. Secondly, Cain was deceptive. Cain deceived Abel. He deceived Abel and he made Abel think that everything was well. When in his heart, he had already made up his mind that he was going to kill his brother. In relationships with people, do not be deceptive. Don't deceive people. Tell, speak the truth. 
Tell the truth. Many times, even if it hurts you, tell the truth. Because in the long run, the truth will prevail. You think by telling a lie, you're going to get out of something, but you only create more of a problem. You're going to be a good steward in relationships. You can't be deceptive. Don't be a deceiving person. Don't be a deceiving person. <laughs> I don't know if I should use that example. Ladies, y'all won't be offended if I use this example. It's about makeup. Y'all be offended. There's, there's, this, there's this video online, and I don't know how I saw this video, of this lady that's making up herself. You know, and she puts on all of these layers. And when she finishes, she, I mean, she's just like this, 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 this perfect picture. But when the makeup is off, Lord have mercy. <laughs> is that deceptive? That is deceptive. You're putting on a mask to make yourself appear that you're something that you're not. That is deceptive. Lord have mercy. And point number three, let me go on because I want to finish this. Don't be a brother killer. Don't be a brother killer or sister killer. Don't be that. Don't, don't, don't. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be a good steward of your relationships, do not kill people. Now, let's deal with this killing issue. Because you can kill a person in more ways than one. All right? You can kill a person with not just with a knife or a gun, you can kill a person with your mouth. You can say things about them that are not true. You can help destroy their relationship. Don't do that. That's a brother killer. I remember one time I was preaching in a revival down the church in Chester, and we were, you know, uh, before you preach and the service is going, the preacher's in the back room. And, 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 and so these preachers were talking about this other preacher. I knew the guy. Um, when I preach, I don't like to have conversations. I just like just go and get my mind preaching because I don't like all this stuff. So they were talking about this other preacher. And then all of a sudden, this one pastor said, you know he's a murderer. And I looked at him, and I said, why did you say that? Why did you even bring that up? I don't know anything about this man. I don't know why, what he did, when he did it. I didn't know anything. Why did you even bring I guess he got mad at me. I said, why did you even bring that up? That was not even necessary. You can kill a person by talking about their past. You can, you can think you know something about somebody else's past and then begin to talk about it to somebody else. You should not do that. That is a brother or sister killer. Don't do it. How many of us have passed? How many of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God? How many of us have done stuff we don't want nobody else to know about? Tell the truth and shame the devil. How many of us are ashamed of our past? Tell the truth and shame the devil. Brother killers, God has called us to build each other up, not tear each other down. And we should never tear another person down. What, what, is, your, what is your motive? when you destroy another person's reputation. Young people learn this. Learn this. Because it doesn't start when you're 30. Well, a lot of times, you learn from your parents. They'll tell the truth. You know, the big rat cuts the hole and the little rat runs through it. So a lot of times when you're sitting around adults and you're sitting around talking about people and running people down, you, your children are listening. They're hearing what you're saying. Stuff that does not even relate to you, doesn't relate to them, and here you are having a conversation about it. 
brother killers. You know, and that, that kind of stuff happens in the church. The place where we are called to love one another and to care for each other's relationships. Mm. <sighs> anyway, the point with Cain and Abel is that after he's killed Cain, all right, Genesis 4.9 says, God speaks to Cain and says, where is your brother? Where? Abel says, I don't know. And God says, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hands. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crop for you. You will be a restless wanderer in the earth. God said to, to, to Cain, what you did to your brother has come to my attention. Do you not realize that when we destroy each other, when we are not mindful of how we care for one another in the body of Christ or in our families or whatever, it comes to God's attention. God sees it, God hears it, God knows all about it. Oh, but it didn't stop right there. Cain said to God, Whew, this is just too much for me to bear. You see, God took this thing seriously. God took this real serious, and God put a, God put a serious curse on Cain. It wasn't just a light thing. What God spoke to Cain meant that the rest of Cain's life, he was going to have a difficult time because he killed his brother. Let's not take this lightly. Let's not take this lightly. Hmm. Putting this in other words, God says, you've hurt your brother. It's come to my attention. Do you not think that when you hurt your brother, sister in Christ, it doesn't come to God's attention? Uh, this is where Cain says, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And all I can say to that is Salah. How I many of y'all know what Salah means? It means think about this. Think about this. That's all I can say to that. Think about this. God is serious about our relationships. Don't you know that God loves you just as much as he loves me? Don't you know that? God loves you just as much as he loves me. You're not more special to God than I am. I'm not more special to God than you are. He loves all of us the same. He cares about all of us. And he says to us, we need to be mindful of how we treat one another. Just, just read the Bible sometimes. Okay? One more scripture and I'm going to be done that I want to look at concerning how to properly manage relationships. And really, you'd have to read all of chapter 14 of Romans and then read in chapter 15. But in Romans chapter 14, verse 19, it says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual for edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything without that, that causes someone else to stumble. It is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes somebody else to stumble. It is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes somebody else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. This is a pertinent principle, an important principle that's put in Scripture here because it points out to us that we are not a law unto ourselves. I am responsible for you. I am so responsible for you, Elder Stowe, that I cannot even put a glass of wine to my mouth if it's going to cause you to stumble. What? You mean to tell me that, that I'm not free to do whatever I want to do? I don't need all that. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank y'all. Appreciate it. I forgot I had a handkerchief in my pocket. All right. 
I can't do whatever I want to do. Even though I am a free moral agent, God has brought me into relationship with other people, and so my, 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 my freedom stops where your freedom begins. Well, did I say that right? My freedom ends where your freedom begins. Thank you, Elder Hoskins. So my freedom ends where your freedom begins. So if I'm going to do something that I feel in my conscience it's all right for me to do, but you don't understand this, and you are a weaker brother, you are a young brother in the Lord, and it will cause you to stumble, then I cannot do that. Are y'all listening? We are in relationship with one another. We're stewards of God because God created all of us. And God has placed us in relationship with one another. So in my house, if there's something that offends my wife, I can't do it. And vice versa. Uh, now, y'all say, well, they're supposed to be adults. They're supposed to understand. Well, sometimes they don't. That's right. Well, well. <laughs> what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Think about this. You know, because like I said about, you know, about uh, uh, in other messages about our giving and whatever, we can come to church and we can dance and we can praise and we can shout, but then we're not being good stewards of the things that God has placed in our hands. You have to think about this. We're in relationship. We're in relationship that God has placed us in. And so consequently, that may put more of a burden, more of a more of a weight on me to do what I need to do to make sure that I am not causing my brother, my sister to stumble. Again. Who is my neighbor? You know, when you look at that scripture, that your neighbor sometimes can be that person that sleeps in the bed with you, your husband or your wife, or live in the house with you. All right? Sometimes it's not the person that's out there across the street. Because many times we'll treat other people better than we treat people at home. Are y'all listening? God has called us into stewardship with one another. We're to manage our relationships right. My rights go as far as your rights begin. All right? Then it says in, in chapter 15, verse 1, we then who are strong are to bear the infirmities of those who are weak, the weaknesses of those who are weak, and not please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ didn't come to please himself. How many of us men operate from the vantage point of I'm strong, so I'm going to bear the infirmities of my brother and my sister's weaknesses. Everybody's not at the same level. Everybody can't handle the same things. Just because you think you can handle it does not mean that you ought to do it. You ever heard people say, I can handle my liquor? Yeah. Just tell the truth and shame the devil. Yeah. You've heard people say that. Yeah. They're fooling themselves because alcohol will get the best of the best person. They're fooling themselves. What the Bible is saying is whether you can handle it or not, if it causes somebody else to stumble, don't do it. You know, we live in a society what, that, that elevates individual freedoms. And people put anything and do anything on television. And then when you listen to, to shows like uh, Oprah and The, Ch and the, Ch and the View and, the, 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 and, and, and all of this foolishness is on television, if you believe television, they, they promote the rights of individuals. 
Now, are we going to be in Christ or are we going to be in the world? That's what we have to deal with. Is, is the Lord Jesus our Lord or are we our own gods? If you're your own God, then you do what you want to do. But if Jesus is the Lord of your life, then you surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. Okay. So, the scriptures, they're the rule of life, are pointed out to us that we are our brother's keeper. We're responsible for one another. When, when Cain asked God, am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for my brother? The answer was yes, you are. You're responsible. You're responsible. We're responsible and we're accountable. So the Bible says, husbands, love your wives. But before it says that, it says, submitting yourselves to one another in the Lord. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband. Then husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And whenever I'm doing marital counseling, I point out to people that the man has the greater responsibility. You might think you had a greater responsibility, ladies, but the man really, and when we really understand our responsibility, God says to us, love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, it's not difficult for a woman to submit to a man that loves her in the way that Christ loved the church. Now, for those of you all who are not married, I'll give you some good advice. If you're dating somebody that don't love the Lord, he cannot love you like Christ loved the church. He cannot do it. He cannot love you like Christ loved the church. He does not know anything about Christ in the church. Might know that Jesus was born in a manger. But that might be all that he knows. Are you understanding me? So, so, so you cannot just go out there and get somebody. Because they look good. They have a six-pack and they're ripped and, you know, they, 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 they got everything in place. And they might even have a whole lot of money. But if you love the Lord, the Bible says that you are not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Anyway, let me go on. Relationships. Obey those that have the rule over you, for they watch for your souls. As you have the opportunity to do good to all people, especially to those in the household of faith, relationships. The question may arise, what if somebody does, doesn't regard me or does something to harm, harm me? What if somebody hurts me? You can't control what somebody does to you. But there was, a, there was something that we learned when we were little children. It was called the golden rule. And what does it say? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So I may not be able to stop you from hurting me, but I can stop myself from hurting you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, so you hurt me. God says, I got it. This is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. I know this was not necessarily a message for children and youth today. I hope you got something out of it. Um, I hope you learned something from this message today. It is so vital that we grasp this because we're living in a time of heightened individualism. People care about themselves and themselves only. It cannot be that way in the church. It cannot be that way in the church. We have to come back and we have to learn God's way. And we have to apply God's way to our lives. Because if we don't apply God's way to our lives, then our, our, our worship, our praise becomes a stench in God's nostrils. I don't want my worship to make God sick on his stomach.
don't want my worship to make God sick on his stomach. If you believe that God is God, if you believe that he is the eternal judge, one day you'll meet him again. One day you'll see him. One day you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you will give an account. Because stewardship is about giving account. Also, not just being responsible, but you must give an account of your stewardship. How did you treat one another? I know, you know, when you deal with, you know, if, 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 you, if you have a gossiping spirit on you, it's hard not to gossip about people. But you better learn not to do it. If you've been hurt, it's hard to accept love from people. And it's hard not to hurt. But you need to learn how to do it. You need to learn how not to hurt. Because if you have children and you've been hurt and you have children, you will hurt them. You may not beat them with a switch or a stick, but you will hurt them with neglect, with meanness. You'll hurt them because that's what you've learned and that's what you live. I was just reading something just yesterday about how Christians need to go to counseling because we got so many issues inside of us. And then we, we transfer that into our children. And we make it seem like it's the child's fault. It's not always the child's fault. Let's stay. This might be 